Online, on demand, and on your mind. TalkZone.com Hey, welcome back to Mastering Ourselves. Our guest today is Linda Lantieri, who's written the wonderful book, Building Emotional Intelligence, so that we can start to teach our children that they are not their emotions. They have emotions. And there's a way to not have those emotions own them. And isn't that freeing to not have your emotions own you, Linda? Yeah, it's very freeing. Uh, emotions can do wonderful things. They, they can inform us. They could uh, begin to help us make the right choices for ourselves. And they could begin to be compatible with our thinking a little more. And that's part of what we are trying to do when we're teaching young people some skills in emotional intelligence. You know, there are some schools that uh, just, you know, schools of thought that say, you know, just bury your emotions and thrive on, and I don't think that's quite the way to do it. Well, I I think that emotions are something that will will always be there, whether we acknowledge them or not. Uh, We have in our minds uh, a parallel kind of situation of our thoughts and our emotions. We often see them as very separate, but they're actually happening at the same time. So any thought has an emotion connected to it, whether we're familiar with that or not, and whether we sort of have an easy way to check in with that stream of emotion that is accompanying the thought. And we have different degrees of that, different degrees of self-awareness. Right. you mention in your book five basic competencies of emotional intelligence. What are they? Well, the way I like to describe them is that some of them have to do with self, as in self-awareness that we talked about, where you're able to identify exactly what I talked about, thoughts and feelings, and yep. really even identify the strength of those thoughts and feelings. and recognize how they influence you in in terms of your choices and your actions and then the second like you one don't that is you don't always health. have like you don't always have to go into the same slot like you could have a jealous reaction and you could become aware that this is a jealous reaction it's not me and I don't have to do it and it's it's not binding I can change it exactly and that's where the second one comes in which to me would be managing that emotion. Yeah. In other words, deciding, you deciding what it is you then want to do with with it right. when you've become aware of it. So those are the two internal ones for me. And Howard Gardner has done a lot of work with the different intelligences, not only the kind of intelligences we talk about in schools in terms of the tests that young people take, but he talks about in intrapersonal intelligence, which is internal, which is the two ones that I just mentioned, and then interpersonal intelligence, which are the other parts of emotional intelligence, which have to do with social awareness, being able to sort of pick up cues of others and understanding what they might be feeling. This is where the development of empathy comes in. There's some skills in being able to make responsible decisions. That's part of emotional intelligence. And finally, there are relationship skills of the ability to have a healthy rapport with others. And 
It also has to do with saying no to things that you want to say no to, that peer pressure doesn't make you decide what it is you want to do, and that if there's a conflict, you're able to resolve it in more nonviolent ways. Yes. So that has to do with emotional intelligence as well. Right. That that sounds very, uh, like, concise. Self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, uh, responsible decision-making, and relationship boundaries. And uh, it's not only boundaries, but trying to get the synergy that, you know, makes it more and more fun uh, to play off each other kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. you, uh, you you write, um, you suggest making a daily ritual routine schedule, and I think for a lot of people that that would be really good. A lot of people aren't grounded. They don't quite know what they're doing, or they don't know quite what they should accomplish in the day. And your daily ritual routine uh, schedule, like they make a calendar or a, a, a list that they put on the wall, I think that's really good. What do you have to say about that? Well, it's it's one way of really balancing the doing and the being. You know, uh, I was, my goddaughter said to me once when she was seeing me in a frenzied place of sort of doing one more thing in the day, uh, she said, remember, Linda, uh, we're not called human doings, we're called human beings. <laughs> um, they're, they're from the mouth of a child. You know, sure. Uh, to pin me there. And so what I think that we're talking about is really having that rhythm between beingness and doingness, between rest and activity, between serving and getting insight. And one way that we can do that, especially with children as well as ourselves, is to create regular kinds of time that we do that, that we spend in places of quiet and stillness. And yeah. What I've tried to do with the book, particularly for young people, is to help adults orchestrate that quiet time a bit for children. And the, the script that we use is also on the CD so that both parent and child or teacher and children can listen to the CD after they've been introduced to the ideas yeah. uh, that, that are on the CD. I, I think it's a brilliant idea to have a CD to work with and the book to explain it, you know, what a good way to help actually help people like therapy get them into a whole new healthy pattern that helps solve some of their uh, dysfunctional ways of dealing with life. Well, and also what begins to happen once they're exposed to these ideas is that because there's a CD, children can do it themselves. Ah. They can be the masters of when it is they need to be in a quieter place, and they have some ways that they could help do that for themselves. Yeah. We're, we're talking today to Linda Lantieri. She has written a book, Building Emotional Intelligence, and you're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. We offer sound answers to life's tough questions six days a week, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. You know, you're talking about doing and being and getting those refereed right with each other, and I notice if we get our egos out of the way and if we're responsible and if we take care of ourselves and if we also seek to contribute and be true to ourselves etc etc 
we begin to be able to learn how to flow with life. And so your being begins to flow with, there's like a higher command that says, okay, right now take care of your taxes, okay, you're hungry for a pretty substantial meal, and you, you get true with that. That's true. Then your doing begins to be a natural flow out of your being, and you begin to simply not have to push hard, but you sort of flow with. Absolutely. And again, when you think about what we're talking about in terms of how stress interrupts that, uh, how it makes us feel like more things are emergencies than they are, <laughs> because that's what chronic stress has done. It's sort of as interrupted our flight and fight response to such a degree that it goes off a lot more times in a day than it should, then we have all of that mixed up. You know, we, we, right. we don't we don't know how to experience that flow because it's hard for our own selves to get to that calm, still place. But when we regularly visit it, it becomes easier. Right. So stress actually uh, debilitates learning, the learning curve. It sure does. It sure does, yes. Um, why are family rituals and routines important for kids? Well, I think we talked a little bit about this, that just giving ourselves those moments of time that become regular really honors other things besides some of the things that young people are spending their time on, from being in front of a video screen to being in front of a TV screen to not being interactive with those that they know and love in their lives. So family routines really begin to set the conditions for being more responsive in terms of cultivating some of this quietness and silence from the routine of perhaps lighting a candle before a meal and doing a quick go-around with the family around what they might have appreciated about this day so far to a, a ritual of actually sitting down with a child a couple of times a week for this regular quiet time. Yep. What are some of the primary sources of childhood stress? We're finding that for most children, at least between the ages of 9 and 13, which is the kids' poll that I uh, reported on in the book, uh, the first source of stress is school, and that includes grades and homework. And family comes a close second, and then there's the whole friends and peers, and that involves the gossip and the teasing end of things. But what is interesting is that when young people in the same study were asked what their coping strategies were, uh, most of them involved things that they had to actively do uh, versus something that they could control from within, such as being contemplative, which the book talks about. So they talked about things like uh, listening to music or watching TV or playing a video game, very active kinds of things. And not that those are bad, but they, they often are not something that someone could do within themselves. Right. So w- we would like, you know, we help try to help promote people to have an ability to rather efficiently, rapidly in any situation go relatively into unconditional well-being so that 
you know, you quickly adapt and uh, perceive the situation, make your adjustment, get centered, do your breathing if you need to, and then you're in your centered space and you can sort of tell, uh, maybe even on an intuitive level or an inner intelligent level, what what direction uh, is best to do. Yes. But, of course, that just can't happen for a child. No. Because the natural course of a child's development actually means that the brain circuitry for calming and focusing is, is actually a work in progress. So right. we have to do the kinds of things that cultivate that. Yes. I like your list on page 72, Linda. How do I feel when I'm stressed? Uh-huh. Boy, that works just as much for adults as it does kids, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> it certainly does. We've been under our share of stress lately, and I'm reading this going, yeah, this is familiar. Uh-huh. So let's look at this uh, list a little bit. <laughs> uh, jumpy, can't yeah. sit still, fast breathing, shaky hands, cold hands, shaky legs, cold feet, heart pounding and beating fast, tight feelings in the chest, Getting angry easily, worried or afraid over little things, feeling like crying, dry mouth, muscles feel tense, upset stomach, sweating, hard time falling asleep, or other. Great list. Yes, and depending on the age of the child, we actually encourage parents to copy the list from the book and have the child look at it with them together to say, have you been experiencing any of these things? And it goes back to Keith's comment about that mind-body connection that we're really helping young people begin to assess for themselves when stress is overtaking them, that it's not something that's done to them, but it's really a response to, to one's right. environment that they could begin to have a different response to. Well, how, how absolutely valuable, and, and what a neat way to do it is you're noticing maybe something's you know upset with your child, and you go, well, sweetheart, let's go look at this list, and let's see uh, which one is true for you, and let's figure this thing out, yeah. and then they'll learn to do that themselves. Exactly. We're, we're talking exactly. today with Linda you know, Lantieri. She's written the book, Building Emotional Intelligence. Go ahead, Linda. Well, what I was basically going to say is what, how you were describing it, Keith, is what John Gottman's work and others have called being your child's emotional coach. Beautiful. So that you're there to facilitate yeah. them becoming more aware by reflecting back with them about what is going on for them, exactly as you described. Right. Nice. Yeah, you actually want to get... Um their thoughts so that you can understand what it is that's triggering them. Yes, and sometimes we don't actually listen to children enough to see what that train <laughs> of thought is telling them. You know, one time I was building a pyramid, and it was it ended up to be a very powerful pyramid, and I was simply guided to do it. It was an unusual thing in my life, pretty extraordinary. Anyhow... I'm at a critical time of setting the beams under the what would what would be the pyramid, and I, you know, the compass. Uh, you're supposed to set it to true north, but I knew it was like a little bit different than true north kind of thing. So I'm there trying to figure it out, and my um, what was he, seven year old son? He was in watching cartoons. He comes out, and I knew he didn't really want to interrupt the cartoons, but he comes out 
all in his PJs and his hair messed up and comes out and he says, Dad, if you point this one right towards the corner of that building, it will be just right for you. And then he turns around and goes back in and watches cartoons. <laughs> wow. And it was the Out perfect the it was the perfect direction. It was just amazing. <laughs> sure it was. <laughs> sure it was. You know, our children come in with so much wisdom. It isn't that blank slate that a lot of people think. Yeah, you're right. They, right watch, on. they watch for our cues as to whether or not we will help them continue to listen to that inner voice Mm -hmm. or not. Very, very, very nice. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts helping humanity wake up one show at a time. And today we're doing that with Linda Lantieri, author of Building Emotional Intelligence. And we'll finish up after the break. Thanks for joining us today. Hang on.